You're listening to The New Exchange, a podcast series that explores how everyone has a story to tell. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and today's guest is an incredible visual artist that constantly inspires me. One of the best things about the world today is that it's easier than ever to be friends with the artists you admire. And today's guest is someone I've known for a very long time. Along with being an accomplished mural artist, she's also an incredible photographer, designer, sketch artist, painter, and a badass dog mom. Her name is Caitlin Chow, and she's one of Philadelphia's finest artists. The best art tells a story, which seems obvious, but weirdly isn't. One of the things that makes Caitlin's work special is how storytelling is integral to everything that she does. Throughout this episode, we talk about the actual physical work that goes behind bringing murals to life, as well as the hardships behind creating art during the pandemic. I highly recommend checking out her web store over at kchowstudios.com and also following her on Instagram at kchowstudios and kchowsketch. Again, her work is just truly fucking awesome. This is The New Exchange with Caitlin Chow. Enjoy. So a few months back, I was pacing my apartment thinking about who I wanted to talk to for the first season of this podcast. And kind of in a funny way, I noticed that we have two of your works on our walls and that those works always make makes us smile when I look at them. And <laughs> I then realized that I've never had the chance to talk to you in depth about your work before, even though I've known you for years. So yeah, that's kind of like the big reason why I wanted to talk to you today. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Um, it's funny, even after all these years, I really don't think I've ever asked this, but how did art come into your life? Like, do you remember when you first realized you had an interest in art? Um, I think I've always been interested in art. I think I only realized that it could become a career and a job, uh, like after college and while I was working in the corporate world. And I actually met other sign painters and muralists. And I was like, oh, this is exactly what I want to do but I just had no idea that it was a thing it's kind of wild because when you think about school like even in art school really I feel like because I went to art school and I think even in art school you don't really get the sense that what's right how do I want to say it like the um, how practical different art fields could be like how it can really be almost blue collar work in a lot of different areas like a lot of people tend to see art as such a lofty thing, but there's like a lot of practicalities that have to be involved, really. Yeah, I always saw it as like that whole starving artist stereotype of and I was like, Oh, I don't wanna like be stuck in that partially because I knew how much money college cost me just on my choice of college for Drexel <laughs> University. That like I needed a job that like was definitely gonna make money <laughs> to pay it back eventually still working on it but <laughs> <laughs> what were you doing before you decided because I knew you had like a corporate job but what was it um so I worked I started out after college um working for the architecture firm 
that I had done my co-op internship program at. Um, so I was an intern there during college uh, for six months is Drexel's like, it's part of their degree. And then um, I went back there, back to that same architecture firm after graduation um, and basically started as a junior design interior designer because I studied interior design and worked there for a little less than two years. Um, but I was on a bunch of different teams doing like commercial design, office spaces, retail spaces. And uh, I got put on the Starbucks team. So we would do the drawings, the construction drawings for the stores. And uh, that's kind of how I got into the Starbucks end of my career of being a store designer with Starbucks directly um, on their internal team. And then from there, I met the mural artists <laughs> that inspired me to like take the leap to start my own business. Who was that uh, mural artist? And do you feel like meeting them was like quite a pivotal moment for you? Um, it actually wasn't like a, a mural artist. He's actually a tattoo artist, but he came in, uh, it's Kyler Martz out of uh, Seattle. He came into the New York office one day to like do a presentation for a mural that he was gonna paint. I forget what store it was for. Um, I think it might've been the Brooklyn store. He just showed, like, he brought his, like, sketchbooks and stuff. And I was like, you know what? Like, this is, I love this. Like, everything about it. Like, the traveling, the painting. I mean, like, I don't, at the moment, I probably, I didn't really understand how much work it would become and be. But it's much more fulfilling than sitting behind a computer screen all day to me. I know a lot of people don't necessarily like, like, the physical labor aspect of like jobs but like that that's what I find like the most fulfilling is that challenge because it's, it's essentially like craftsmanship when you think about it in a lot of ways yeah I mean that's my exercise <laughs> <laughs> um I want to ask you more about what you do but before I do that I'm actually really curious about who were some of the first artists that ever inspired you like what do you feel it was about the works of those people that left you thinking this is what I want to do I don't know. It's weird because, like, I was never a big, like, art history buff. That was probably my least favorite class in <laughs> in college. But, like, one of those requirements <laughs> that you just had to take. And I just, like, I wouldn't say... I just kind of always have enjoyed art in general. I'm not one to really, like, go to a museum and wander around, I guess, not... I wouldn't say, like, oh, not for fun, because it is fun, but, like, I don't know if I would think of it to do. I would rather just, like, walk around a city and, like, look at the architecture and, like, the details and, like, how structures are put together is always fascinating to me. Like, even so, for, like, nature, looking how a tree, like, grows is fascinating to me, and, like, that then translates into, like, even dancers and how bodies move and how that all kind of gets structured together is kind of what inspires me. Do you feel like one of the things that draws you towards those type of like, like lived in, like real out in the world examples is that, you know, when I think about architecture and I think about murals and I even think about nature and the way you described it, 
it's essentially kind of storytelling as well. Like you could see a building and feel a sense of like the history behind it and like the different design choices and you could get informed by that in a lot of ways, which is really interesting. I wonder if you've ever felt that way. Yeah. I mean, I really like, I love like discovering like the functionality of things in general, like this, the functionality of a space, the functionality of like a particular movement or like, placement of something spatially yeah. does that make sense <laughs> no it makes sense completely and yeah. um you know one of the things that's been really great about uh, being your friend over the years is that i've seen you explore various mediums throughout the years and you still do from drawing to photography to painting um i wonder do you i've never asked you this and i mean i'm going to be saying that a lot throughout this but it's just it was wild when I was, like, thinking of the questions because I'm like, oh, I've known Caitlin for X amount of years. I've never asked her so many things. Um, <laughs> when you think about all the different mediums you've explored, do you feel that all the explorations kind of inform one another or inform what you might do next, in a way? Yeah. I think even just, like, if you chose a different path to walk on one day and, like, stumble upon... I like sometimes I stumble upon like a weird texture and I'm like, wow, that'd be cool to like see or use or try to create, you know, like recreate it in a, in a new form. I know what you mean. Cause something I've felt with photography in the past and actually I still do from time to time is that sometimes I'll see other people's work and a lot of people have very like specific editing styles. And I always find myself thinking that, I wonder how this could be transmitted with my work. Like, what's the translation that could happen? Because there's something, like, exploring something you don't know how to do could be really exhilarating creatively. Yeah, it's like a curiosity that you just want to itch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I've told you this before, but I'm just going to say it on here. Your mural work is fucking mind-blowing. Like, <laughs> Thanks. I, I love your mural work, and... I think what's been incredible seeing over the years is that it's been an evolution where it's like every mural keeps getting better and better. And I brought up storytelling before and how it might be inspiring. But what I love about your work is I feel like that's so much within the consideration of how you approach work. I feel like if you're going to do a mural, there has to be some essence of a story within it. My question there is like, would you say that the element of a, successful successful mural is one that tells a story yeah I think like for me at least like a majority of my work is for like a, a brand or a company um and like incorporating their story so kind of curating it to them is what I love like finding finding that story for them and creating like a piece specifically for their wall you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it speaks about them, even though it's my work and my hand on yeah. the wall. Yeah. You're able to, like, build a vision apart I'll, I'll, that's attached to something outside of yourself, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. I'd say, like, those are probably the most, most fulfilling, like, to do. Yeah. And it's always, does it always feel collaborative? Like... I mean, obviously, it's like a brand. Most brands are going to be, they're going to want to have a, a say in how they're being conveyed. But do you feel like it's usually a collaborative kind of um, conversation when you consider how you might approach a mural? Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely some, 
some pieces that are just like a recreation of art that they already like they had a branding team create um and i i recreate that large scale on the wall for them and so it's more like signage in a sense like you have a logo you want it painted on the wall and that that's still i enjoy that because that's a challenge in replicating to a t your logo because that's your brand and it can't be like a skew because then it's not your logo yeah um so like that stuff is like that's different but even for um I would say it's like a collaborative process in and it's like a trusting process that I'm going to create even those things that are already created in the right scale and like there's some sort of back and forth in the creative process even to those levels I'd say yeah. I'm sure people listening and this is like the big reason I wanted to talk to you I'm sure people listening have no idea the amount of work that goes into bringing a mural to life. We've talked about it passively over the years, and you've mentioned like different elements of what it's like, but can you describe what the process is like to me? Like what, like from start to finish of like doing a mural, what does that look like? Um, so, I mean, all in all, it's, it, you're still running a business. So like you still have to have good open lines of communication and, kind of like basically it all starts with like the discovery phase of like deep diving and brainstorming with the client on what they're looking for and creating like mood boards and basically Pinterest pages of like (laughs) (laughs) trying to figure out like what what they're envisioning and bringing that out of them like that story element in that process you're also giving estimates based on the size, the, the whole scope of the work, um, the surface determines pricing sometimes. I mean, painting a smooth surface is way faster than painting a really rough brick that's like been there for ages and has huge divots and holes in it. Um, so that adds to the complexity of the project. If it wraps a wall, you have to take into account the corners and the distortion rate of the image just as you're painting it's that like oh you should step back from your work look at it as a whole and then go when you're closer to the work you don't see it all the time so like that's part of the process and this is all just like (laughs) the design like you can the design phase could last a couple weeks depending on um if people Necessary, like if they don't know what they want and we're creating something out from scratch, basically, they just have a blank wall and they know they want to fill it with something. I think I got lost in my train of <laughs> You know, what, hearing you talk about it, though, it kind of makes me think of, because I've worked in um, TV production before, like commercials, and when I started doing that, like, I was, how old was I? I was like 21, and I remember I knew there was work that went into, like, making commercials and TV shows uh, but I think outside of that, I always had the perception that, oh, you go on a set and you turn a camera on and you just capture stuff. I never considered the pre-production work that goes into it. And the way you described all of that kind of reminds me of that, that like if I walk past a mural, I think intrinsically I find myself thinking like, oh, some people got together, probably sent a couple emails back and forth and then just, you know, painted on a wall and called it a day. But 
no, there's a lot to consider before you do it, before you actually go and do it. Yeah. I think, like, my least favorite part is probably, like, pricing and, like, knowing. It's it's just such a anxiety-ridden thing to do, just, like, kind of defining your value because it's very personal in a sense because it is me physically doing the labor, the design, in a sense where it's not, I don't know, I feel like when you're part of a larger company, you know, it's only, it's not just one person that's affected by the price. No, I get that. And you know, what's (laughs) what's wild to me about like entrepreneurship or like having your own business in that sense is that, you know, there are so many people who try to be gurus about it and kind of say, you should do this and that. But at the end of the day, there's not really a rule book for, because every situation ends up being so unique. There's not really like, standards and practices past certain points which is it's really hard to navigate really yeah there's always there's always something that comes up or just there's always like a curveball for each project like there's there's no set in stone like this is how you start a mural business and like every project that comes to you will be the same or every wall will be the same (laughs) there's a lot of like on the fly (laughs) you gotta wing it (laughs) and you gotta be comfortable with that and do the best you can, basically, in the moment. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I want to ask you about some of your projects. Um, I really love, like, when I was looking at your website and seeing some of the work that you've done, uh, one of the ones that leapt up at me was um, the Starbucks mural that's in Stamford, Connecticut. It's the blue horizon with the leaves and the mountain, the sun, and it's, it's really amazing to look at. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, Yeah, that one actually was inspired by another artwork piece that, like, Starbucks has in their artwork catalog from their their team, and it didn't fit the dimensions of that particular store because they wanted it to span the whole wall behind the banquet area that they have. So we kind of, like, recreated that piece like the the essence of that piece because it was like a line drawing um with a lot of detail um textures that we took that and then we took some of the they have a catalog of photography from like coffee farm like the fields of farms and just like the different um geography and like those locations so we just kind i kind of took elements from all those photos and placed them into this one design um so that we can kind of fill the space appropriately wow and seriously like the level of detail is astonishing i mean you know when you describe how the process was i wonder like even though you have points of reference is it still difficult because of like the amount of detail that's required because i would imagine so just looking at it um yeah i mean i really love just like pen and ink sketches like just with my micron and like black and white that was like my favorite thing to do I think as like an escape for um sitting at a desk I think I started sketching at my desk probably the second year of being at Starbucks um (laughs) and I, I just I think I found those sketchbooks actually a couple months ago 
They, yeah. it was like a lot of like, I would like go to coffee shops and like sketch the scene, like just the scene of the coffee shop. Or like I, that was when I started bringing my sketchbook to Newport Folk Festival. Um, and, it, and I was like, oh, there's so many photographers here. And I'm like, I'm basically like a amateur in comparison to all of you guys, um, all you music photographers. So I was like, I, I should be doing something that like is more my speed, which was sketching. So I was like, you know what, if I can do live sketching, let me try it. And here's, this is the perfect opportunity to like start. Um, cause I'm not one to keep a sketchbook in general. <laughs> I'm really bad at that. I never have been that type of artist to like keep a sketchbook or do like a daily sketch. I keep a lot of things in my head for probably way longer than they should <laughs> be in my head. Um, you know, like that whole art school thing is like getting, getting it on paper. Like I just don't do that until it's like fully formed in my head. Like I think it drives Eric a little crazy. Like when <laughs> I like will just sit down and like do a full drawing because I don't like having a sketch of something and then having to redo it. Like I have like tracing, I don't want to do tracing paper and then put it on real paper and do that whole process. So I end up just like sitting with it in my head for a while. I want to kind of explore this with you a bit, the aspect of live sketches, because I mean, the name kind of gives it away and you describe, you know, how you came to doing it. But for people listening who might not be familiar, uh, what exactly is a live sketch? basically sitting there and drawing what's in front of you at the moment and like I, I think the hardest part for me especially for like those sketches and Newport in general is like you're sketching a moving figure on a stage most of the time if you're sketching the, the actual performer so it, it you're you're trying to get elements of what's happening on stage that can at least tell the story of like them moving around on stage or they were dancing or it was a particular like move or the way they were holding the mic. And like, that's the moment you have to keep in your head while you're still enjoying the music and the performance. Uh, and you're sketching at the same time. Um, I think like that's I like that challenge and it keeps you on your toes to con like and it's almost a you can't it's not going to be perfect and you just you kind of got to let it go and let it be which is very hard for me considering I like to like overthink things until they're perfect in my mind so like to do live sketching is is it's like an exercise of the brain to just like pump it out what you see that makes sense to me and I'd imagine that it must feel liberating as well because something else that's very um, interesting is that there's quite a contrast when you consider the work that goes into making a mural like we were discussing earlier is that there's so much planning that goes into it whereas with live sketching there isn't any space to fix a mistake does that feel liberating in a way like that element of it yeah i mean i'm still waiting for a mural where like someone just gives i mean it could just be in our own house where just free reign on you, you have like a slight idea but like just start painting it <laughs> just start doing it <laughs> that it is a liberating feeling though because like I don't I don't do it often enough really yeah but it's great that when you get to do it at Newport I, I was actually really keen to talk to you about that because 
I feel like that's a place that's always left you feeling creatively inspired. Also, Eric, your boyfriend who you mentioned, good friend of mine. Um, <laughs> can you talk to me a bit about how it feels when you're at Newport, usually? Like, it, does it feel leave you feeling inspired in that way? Yeah, I think, like, to see... it. It's... We've done Bonnaroo um, and, like, Boston Calling. And, like, I think I would be... I'm less open to festivals of, of that sort. Um, maybe I'm getting, like, old and a curmudgeon. I don't know. But um, Newport has, like, a different... It's the only place I've ever seen people just, like, literally stop in silence. And everyone is enjoying the music, the performance. Like, last year, like, the Seaweed Sisters having the dancers on stage, I was, like... This is like a, this is heaven to me. This is like a combination of all my favorite things of like live music and live dance um, all on one stage. <laughs> but I feel like it's, it's, in, it's inspiring to see how powerful art can be and how it can move a crowd of people that might not all like agree probably when they walk outside of the festival grounds, but like you agree in that moment, like, that this is magical, and this is special. Yeah, and, you know, I've only been the once, but what's really incredible, what what I, what really left me affected with Newport was how there's such minimal advertising, which seems like almost a trivial thing to bring up, but it's such a stark <laughs> contrast to just metropolitan and even suburban life, really. Like, even in the suburbs, if you go to, like, a, a grocery store or, like, you know, a bank you'll see ads everywhere and to be in Newport where there's not really much advertisements at all and you don't feel like you're being bombarded you don't even really see that many people on their phones like it's really something else yeah people literally just stop and they're like in the moment I think it's that one time of year like where I fully know like I will have a moment where I will get goosebumps and just like I'll just be standing there and just I mean I'll have waves where I'm like oh am I being productive enough like am I sketching right now but like I think last year was the first year uh my cousins went with us they came with us and it was their first year and just like watching them experience the festival and then me realizing I'm like oh I can I'm I'm allowed to slow down too and enjoy myself and still be inspired by everything that's happening right now but it just isn't going to be produced in a live sketch format. Like, it'll be produced in a different format, yeah. maybe at home, you know? So I think it was. It's, it's always, like, a nice thing to, like, kind of just stop. It's important. I think it's what you described is exactly important because I think when I just... I could go on about it, but just what it takes to have a career in anything creative and having that drive you that element of being productive all the time it could feel almost insidious where you almost forget that there's a benefit to slowing down and it becomes a thing that almost has to be proactive in a way yeah and i i think i had the feeling of burnout for interior design um before i left my full-time position like i think like i don't ever want to get to that feeling ever again in my life um like if I can avoid it I think I'm gonna attempt to take care of myself over that happening again 
because I actually, I love art and I don't want to hate it because <laughs> I made it a job, you know? No, I know what you mean. And you know what's the worst thing about burnout that I feel like people don't really talk about? It's what? It's, um, it's like how burnout isn't something that just happens in a moment. It's a, there's a buildup. And I've always found the times in my life where I felt burnt out afterwards i realized that it was like pent up like it was building and i when i find myself looking back on those moments it's like oh that was like lost time yeah you always look back and you're like i should have done something differently there <laughs> yeah and no, no, no one really teaches it i mean i'm almost curious what it must be like to be in college now because i graduated back in 2010 i'm also wonder if like they discuss burnout now because when i was in school they didn't yeah i don't I don't know. I don't think, I mean, for interior design, yeah, I don't think that was like a, a thought because, I don't know, yeah, it wasn't a thought when I graduated, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I never thought I would like get sick of uh, sitting behind a computer because I, I guess I figured, oh, there's like still the ta- like tactile nature of like finding like fa- furniture, fabric, like there's, there's so many things is what I thought. I just, I think it got a little repetitive. Um, like maybe there's different areas of interior design that I did not explore, like residential and stuff. Um, maybe I would have been more fulfilled than that. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I may never know, or I <laughs> could end up going back to it, but I feel like it, it'll always be there. Like, I don't think it would leave me that sense of like spatial awareness and just there'd definitely be a learning curve to learning all the new technology and just like apps and stuff that people use. But I feel like I've been adapting <laughs> in my own business that I'd hope that I could adapt back to someone else's business. I think you'd be able to, it's, there's a skill in that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think we're better off than prior generations because I can't imagine, like, constantly learning a new program, and you're, like, in your 50s, and you're just like, why do we keep changing this stuff? Couldn't oh, we stick to... <laughs> Couldn't yeah. we stick to hand drafting? I mean, I'm all for that. That is what I loved, or <laughs> what I, I, I fell in love with for architecture. Like, I originally wanted to go to school for architecture. Did you? And then I realized that it would be more years in school. <laughs> to get a degree in architecture and I was like nah I'm okay <laughs> I don't want to do more school and like interior design literally studies almost the same stuff it's just like in the end of the day at the end of the day I can't sign off on construction documents unless I got a license and like I don't need that I yeah. didn't that's not what was fulfilling me like I don't need that power I just like the creative <laughs> I feel that. Do you want to know something wild, actually? Um, I wanted to go to school to be a pilot. Like, that was... Really? Yeah, that was, like, my big... Yeah, I don't really get a chance to talk about, about it that much, but uh, I, I always loved art as, like, um, when I was, like, I'd say 10 on and onwards. Like, I was the kid who was always doodling in class, and I never conceived of art as a career until probably like the last second of like when you're applying to college and prior like when I was in high school 
I, in my mind, you see, you're going to hear this story. You're going to be like, this is definitely cut. In my head, I was like, man, I'm going to be a pilot. That's going to be the coolest thing. And then someday I'll be an astronaut. Like, I was all about it. And then when I was, like, 16 and you talked to, like, the guidance counselor, I, like, told her, like, hey, this is, like, what I want to do. And she had no idea what that entailed. And she just kind of looked at me like, oh, she was like, well, what are you doing right now to, like, you know, make it so that you'll be able to become a pilot and then an astronaut? And I, I remember being sat there going, like, well, what are you talking about? That's why I'm sitting here. Like, you're supposed to, you're supposed to tell me. You're supposed to guide me. <laughs> to guide me. So we did actually, like, Googled it. Like, we Googled it. And holy crap, there's, like, so much you have to do. I remember within that moment, I was like, oh, never mind. <laughs> That's a lot of stuff. My guess would be, like, the Air Force might be your best bet. Exactly, <laughs> the Air no Force. Idea. No, it was the Air Force. But there's also a lot of math that you have to know. Who knew? Pilots do yeah. math all the time. You have to be able to see colors, too. Yeah, yeah. So you can't be colorblind. <laughs> I'm lucky not colorblind, but my vision is shit. I am wearing glasses right now. My vision's crap. So I wouldn't be able to be a pilot. But, uh, yeah, that's just a long segue to say that sometimes I still daydream about being a pilot. <laughs> you, you could still... You still got time? You're still young? <laughs> True. I could figure it out. I could find it out. I want to ask you a couple more questions. Um, yeah. Especially in regards to, I want to go back a little bit and ask more about the mural work that you do. Because when I think about the murals you've made over the years, I'm really curious to know what you would feel has been the most challenging yet uh, creatively satisfying project you've done. If you were to look back here with the hard questions. <laughs> I think the most challenging, like that I've put my, like the situations I've put myself in, um, by suggesting that I could figure it out. Um, it's just like that whole aspect of adding like a whole new learning curve for no reason when you could, I could have just said like, let's paint this. But, um, there was a project that we, we had talked about for, uh, me and the Starbucks like design team. We were talking about like making it like three dimensional type of medallion type of thing. And I was like, yeah, I could fake like, I like, like let me youtube some some plaster work <laughs> and like figure out how to like work with plaster and create these three-dimensional like item like artwork on the wall attached to the wall <laughs> um and i basically had to like teach myself and like do like trial runs at home on like pieces and like make sure that it was light enough to stay attached to the wall and it wasn't going to fall on anyone <laughs> Um, I think that was probably the most challenging only because when you look back on it, like, I don't know if it, like, I, it came out great. I just don't know if like it, I had to introduce that into the project at that time. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I think I just made it more complicated for myself just to like add that little bit of challenge. Um, I think the most like fulfilling project was probably it was pretty recent um I did a Starbucks mural in Philly um fully custom for the store so like I gave them a few designs um we talked through colors and it was one of like it's been a while since I've been able to like use like a rainbow of colors in a Starbucks like usually it's um either like one or two colors or it's a more muted palette 
Um, so this one was like a rainbow and it was, I got to incorporate like Philly architecture that I love. Um, like the doors on row homes and like, I had aspects of the skyline and, and then I kind of integrated like the coffee story into that, um, narrative. And as I was painting it to see like Philadelphians actually like stop by and like, they're like, I love it. It looks great. <laughs> like that felt good. I think like to have a mural finally like in Philly, like the place that I live and to call home right now, like to know that people like liked it and enjoyed it and loved it as much as I did like that, that felt good. That's amazing. God, that, you got to experience that. I mean, you're experiencing it now, but that's really special. I mean, no one's seeing the mural right now because I don't think you can go into the store. <laughs> oh, but yeah. I don't think you can go into Starbucks so here weird. either. Um, yeah, I actually did a store during COVID, like, up in New Haven, Connecticut, uh, right on Yale's campus. So it incorporates some of, like, Yale's architecture and it has, like, a abstracted uh, map of Yale's campus and it kind of highlights like New Haven Green which is like the heart of New Haven and um, yeah no one has seen that mural because that store is currently closed until students are back on campus so oh man (laughs) Um, we'll see I mean it was like the first project I had done all all of like the pandemic because um, most of them, most of my work had gotten postponed or canceled completely, which kind of sucked. But um, now we're just in a rebuilding phase of like, hopefully, people need some artwork. <laughs> yeah. And I can do it safely because it's just me, myself, and I <laughs> that has to be on site um, for that particular project. I wore a mask the whole time, even because I was indoors. So. I just, it felt weird to not. <laughs> no, I feel you on that. And you bringing that up actually kind of reminds me because we were chatting a few weeks back about how this pandemic has essentially put a halt on so many of our plans and our paths as freelancers. And I feel like there's a, that's an extra wound, the aspect that we're freelancers and like, you know, like owners of our own businesses. And because... There's not many protections for us, really. Um, do you feel that in some ways that having this time the last few months has been helpful in any way? Like, in terms of, like, you know, whether it's, like, reevaluating things or clearing your headspace or trying new things? Like, how have you been these last few months? <laughs> um, I would say, like, it hasn't been, like, great. It has been good in pushing me to, like, try new things and like get back to like creating prints for my shop and like kind of more small scale things and getting that going again which I had been neglecting that for a couple years now where like I used to have prints in my shop and now there haven't been prints for like a couple years now and now there's new prints again um and it's just like that's a learning curve to get back into that mindset of creating something small I guess again for people's like homes and that's a whole different pricing bracket to like think about but 
probably throughout the pandemic, I wouldn't like, I'd say like, it's, it's hard to like get those creative juices, like the motivation to create considering like, just, it felt like the, like it just, it still feels like the world is ending, <laughs> but to, to work past that and work through that, um, there's been some exciting projects that I've been working on that probably they've been in the works since the beginning of the year. They were on hold and now they're actually going to become a reality. Um, August 3rd, I'm going to start painting that hopefully pending the weather. That's huge. It'll be my largest out outdoor mural um, to date. And it's also going to be in Philly. So that's, even more special and it's for a dance studio which is even more special to my like heart (laughs) (laughs) 2020 has been weird but (laughs) there's definitely some good things coming um it just was hard at the beginning because like when you're sitting down and like you planned all these things for your business and like you, like I thought that 2020 was going to be like my biggest year and like most new clients and working with new people and just like, like it felt like things were taking off and then it kind of just all vanished in like a week. (laughs) And now, now it's just, it's getting back into the habit of like that motivation to like, create and put stuff out there and hopefully like it makes someone's day and like changes their mindset you know down the line like that's that's what we want out of art right like (laughs) have you seen like the meme where it's like the world is like on fire and then it's like there's like it's like a designer a graphic designer or like an artist like do you want a painting like shout <laughs> top like do I did you want a logo I saw it because you posted it and like it really did I've, I've been feeling the same way honestly like very similar yeah. <laughs> it's it's hard to like it, it, there's like a weird feeling of like do, is this essential is this necessary like <laughs> is my work really essential? Like, do I need to be doing it? Like it's, it's back to that whole thing of like, do I have value and what is my value or my worth? Um, so it's like, it's always like a pricing thing. It's always like a, should I be like doing this? Does does this contribute to society? (laughs) Does this make the world a better place? Like it's, there's always that in the back of your head, but just, is that constant ask. Yeah. No, that's exactly true. And I think what kind of exasperates it is that we live in such a weird time. We have been for the last few years where, you know, you and I have had talks about this in the past about how art exists in a weird way in this day and age of social media. Like, on one hand, we know that art enriches people's lives and it's crucial to have a fulfilling life. Like, being having art within the peripheral of your life just around you it just makes life better but the way people interact with art can feel very fleeting and yeah that's been on my mind a lot recently I mean it's always on my mind but because we're like you know in lockdown somewhat still it's like still a weird thing right yeah and it's also like this whole lockdown to see like what I don't know to see what people have been deeming like necessary or needed in this time is it's fascinating to 
the, the range, the wide range of people that are in our country alone. <laughs> it is really, really fucking weird. I mean, it's strange because, you know, I would say more than anything else, people are finding themselves dis- with distractions, like music and different pod, you know, podcasts in general and like movies and stuff like that. And in a way, like those are different forms of art and people will put art so low on their um, totem pole of what they find to be essential, yet consume art all day. Yeah. Yeah. There's no funding for art, but you'll consume it all day. And then if it just magically vanished one day, I I, I wonder how long it would take for people to realize I think almost immediately. That they miss it. I don't know. Or, or will there just be more opportuni- or, uh, opportunists that'll be like, oh, well, I'll create it myself. <laughs> I think Not to say that the quality <laughs> would be the same. I'm just saying, I think there's people out there that are like, eh, I'll just make it myself. It's fine. These people decided to stop working. I'll just do it myself. <laughs> you know, this kind of goes into why I wanted to talk to you specifically, because you do a lot of work. Like, you put in a lot of work to the work that you make. And what I always find fascinating about that, especially in the context of murals, right? I think there's people, and I'm definitely going to generalize here real quick, but I need to just make a point. I think there's people who would see you working, like, making murals and think, like, oh, man, I would love to do that. Like, that'd be incredible. Like, I would love to, I would love that to be my life. And then if they were to sit down with you and or listen to this podcast and hear about all the work that goes into it, they would immediately realize that, like, oh, actually, I don't want to work that hard. And it's with this assumption that because something's creative and it requires, like, you know, someone giving some of their attention and their time and effort, there's almost this weird assumption that, oh, there's an ease to that. But it's the exact opposite. <laughs> like, so I think that's what would happen if we found ourselves in a place where people had to make their own art rather than consume it on one hand there might be something really special that comes from that but i think most people would be like wow this is hard (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i think people underestimate uh just painting their their house like you know exactly just like when you, you pick up the roller or like you're just like oh wow my arm hurts like i've gotten that question which is like really annoying from like guys walking by and they're like you painted this yourself and I'm like yeah it's crazy I'm a woman with arms like <laughs> I don't know what happened <laughs> <laughs> what I don't think I've ever asked you about that 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 like <laughs> like that'll happen really uh it, there's like there's always like a weird thing of being the only woman on a job site <laughs> amongst a sea of like male contractors um and they're always for the most part from my experience like nice to me um but there's always those offhanded comments where it's like wow I'm surprised you could do this (laughs) (laughs) it's like I I I can pick up a paintbrush it's not that heavy (laughs) yeah and it's like it's almost like it's interesting in spaces like that because you're only ever there because of your proven track record, really. So it's interesting how even in those moments, there like there's not this innate understanding that you're a professional and you've already proven yourself x amount of times. Like that's why you're able to do the things you're you're doing. 
Yeah, I mean, I still get like, oh, are you an art student? And I'm like, no, I mean, I, I feel good that you think that I'm still in school. Like, that makes me feel a bit younger. But <laughs> also, no. <laughs> um, one of the things I want to bring up with you is that one of my favorite things that you do is when you post these um, sped up clips of you painting a mural onto your Instagram stories. Like, uh, you did it like a couple weeks ago, I think, and it's mesmerizing to watch and. To me, it just reinforces how much work that goes into bringing a mural to life. Um, oh, it's bringing those time, like, the time lapses to life take a lot out of me. I was going to say, <laughs> Sometimes like... Sometimes I wish I could outsource that. <laughs> but tell me this, when it comes to those, because, I mean, obviously you have to review it before you put it up. This might be, like, the most elementary question of the world, but I'm just, I'm really curious. When you look back at those, um, you know, those time lapses of you working... Does the amount of work it takes to make a mural ever leave you feeling surprised, even after all this time? I think it's not the physical painting aspect. I, sometimes. But that is very fleeting. Like, that's, like, the day after when, like, I'm my muscles are sore. Like, I'm like, oh, man, that was that was really rough. Like, that was, that was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, my mom always jokes, like, when I say, like, oh, it, it's going to take me an hour it always ends up taking longer. And like, <laughs> I'm not great at estimating the time um, to the T, but I'll get it done in that day, which is what I had anticipated, but <laughs> it might take me a bit longer than expected. Like, so that feeling, like that, that challenging feeling, I feel like lasts like a day after or two days, depending on like how sore I am physically, but like the, the actual painting, it's not like that, I don't know, that never lingers. Uh, what really weighs heavily on me when that I remember a project is like the business aspects, like the invoicing or anything that has to do with just any business aspect of it. Invoicing, like figuring out what the expenses were, like just all of that math. <laughs> um, when that's difficult, I remember the project more and it's more for a negative reason <laughs> <laughs> where I'm like, Oh, this is never like an easy thing that I want it to be. <laughs> Cause I'm an artist that never anticipated like the business, like grind behind it. If I had someone to take that over, like a partner, if anyone wants to team up, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, there's definitely, like, um, some entrepreneur... I, I imagine there'll be some entrepreneurial people listening, and they'll hear that and be like, oh, I should reach out to her. I, what you yeah. said makes all the sense to me, because, you know... I'm sure that's why people hire business coaches. There's a lot of things I could be doing. Yeah. Um, but at the moment, I wear all the hats and just switch them out <laughs> yeah. throughout the day. <laughs> and I imagine it doesn't come from a place of resentment because the way you're describing it, it kind of reminds me of conversations I have with friends who are in similar situations where it's not that you necessarily resent all this like admin or business work. It's just that there's always this reminder that you didn't get into what you're doing for that. Like obviously the right. business aspect, it's uh, necessary, but it's almost like anything that takes you away from actually doing the creative thing it's like it could be frustrating yeah I mean like it's it's worth it in the long run because obviously it, it sustains 
you know, my, my life and <laughs> how, like, apartment, like, the, there are things that, like, money buys, but it definitely is not a driving force, which I'm sure, like, some people would see as, like, oh, like, you're not, like, making millions, but, like, I'm not a starving artist, I wouldn't say, like, I think I, there's definitely more struggle that some artists have and I'm, that tell that is told in their stories. Um, it's just not my story, um, which is a privilege I have, but yeah, I don't, I think there's always things that could be worse and my life is not bad in any, any sense of the word. So to, to have to do those little tasks, those admin tasks, like it's, it makes it worth it if I get to paint. Yeah, exactly. And what you just said, it describes, I love what you said there because it kind of echoes what we were talking about right at the start of the talk. Like when you consider like those moments in like childhood and like young adulthood where you're thinking about art and you know, the aspect of being a starving artist kind of keeps you away. I think what really perpetuates that for so many people is that no one shows or teaches you that you could be a working artist. I'm sure some people understand that now because of social media, but when we were growing up, the idea that you could live a comfortable, uh, well-adjusted life that's essentially practical as an artist, that, that concept didn't really exist. Yeah, people are, I think people in general are just sharing more about their experiences and it's just that information is everywhere from podcasts to just Instagram like just people are sharing their process and their experiences and I think it's opening eyes for I hope the next generation to be like I can figure out something and do whatever I want hopefully hopefully yeah um, I'm not just saying this because we're friends, but your work is special. Like, whether it's your murals, letter forms, or sketches, your work always makes any room feel more alive. And that's so important in life, to have art that reminds us that we're alive. Like, that's what I think is so special about what you do. Yeah, thanks. I'm glad. That, I mean, I'm more than thankful that you and Sarah support my small little business <laughs> and that I can hang in your apartment, even though I've never seen your apartment. It's so wild, right? <laughs> oh, we really have to change that. I mean, I mentioned before how we have two pieces at our home. Um, it's the Fishtown painting. That's my favorite. And Sarah's favorite is the Thrive painting. That's in, like, in our living room. And, oh, I um, didn't realize you had both of those. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, true story. I remember, um, I mean, I'm, I reckon I'll still do this eventually. Like, I have in mind to buy a second Fishtown painting to put up in like uh, in an office because we have it in our bedroom, but I want to like put it in like my work office and um, naturally COVID kind of fucked that up. Thanks. But <laughs> yeah, I'll save you one. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, Caitlin, thanks so much for talking. Like I'm, yeah, this, thanks. this is exactly what I wanted it to be. Well, what I expected it to be because <laughs> yeah, it, it just goes back to what I was saying. Like you do these projects where like a lot of people would have no idea what goes into them. And I hope people are saying this have more of an insight. I think generally they will. Yeah. They say you got to love what you do. So, I mean, 
you don't have to love all aspects of what you have to do. <laughs> but if <laughs> if you get to do what you love, I think you'll you'll figure out a way to get there. Yeah. Well put. There's never going to be a better way to edit on that. So thanks so much. I appreciate it. And yeah. uh, people can find you and your work, and I highly recommend people check it out, at Cage House Studios. Like, I'm definitely going to mention the intro, too, but since we're, like, getting out, cagehousestudios.com, also Cage House Studios on um, Instagram, and yeah. Cage House Sketches on Instagram, too, I think, right? Yeah, that's more, like, sketchbook. Mostly Newport folk related stuff at the moment, um, but yeah, it's mo- that's more of my sketchbook stuff, which isn't as frequent. So yeah. more so, more current stuff would be KHS Studios and yeah. on Facebook too. Yeah, and people should KHS def- Studios. Yeah, KHS Studios, and people should definitely check out the store as well. Kayla, thanks again. I really appreciate this. Thanks for having me. Anytime. I miss you. Thank you so much for checking this out. Be sure to subscribe to The New Exchange via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you stream podcasts. Until next time, thank you for listening.